Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Coyotes lose 5-3 at Philly, and they lose in a similar fashion. Second game in a row, they had the lead going into the third period, and they gave up at least two goals. This time, they gave up three as the Flyers were able to put in an empty netter and ended up winning the game 5-3. Nick Bukestad, how you feeling? Yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, it leads in the last two games, and everything's on the line for us. And we need these points. And didn't get them, so it's, uh, you know, I don't even really know what to say. It stinks, and, you know, we're, we're not feeling too great right now. Nobody's feeling too great right now as they continue to drop out of the playoffs, making it not an impossibility, but extremely difficult. Next game, they're at home coming up tomorrow night, 7.30, face-off against the Wild. Well, they got the message. The Waste Management Phoenix Open, Chance Cosby, he's the executive director of the Thunderbirds. He went on Golf Channel yesterday and explained that he understands that there were problems with this year's Phoenix Open. He explained some of the problems and then said, quote, I think that you will see a complete operational change of how we manage our Friday and Saturday, but not just that, the entire week. Lots of suggestions to go over, namely beer. Suns needed a massive 20-point comeback the last time they took on Sacramento at home. They got it. Now, head coach Frank Vogel says, let's do everything we did when we came back, and let's not do what we did that made us fall behind. Uh, you know, there's definitely some things we could do better against this basketball team that we haven't quite got to this point uh, that we're going to have to do tomorrow night and get the W. Late tip-off against the Kings, 8 o'clock, downtown Phoenix. Kansas City Chiefs, still world champions. Pat Mahomes celebrating. That's my mindset is I'm going to celebrate with my guys because of how we've done this. Um, but then, then we're going to work our way to get back to this game next year. Well, they'll start working later. Lots of social media pictures out about partying in Vegas. And then, of course, they still haven't had the parade yet, which comes up later this week in a very chilly Kansas City. 49ers have said they didn't even know there were new overtime rules, at least some of the players, while Kansas City says they've been practicing and discussing those new rules since training camp. Oh, by the way, if you didn't think Taylor Swift had anything to do with the Super Bowl, well, it has gone down as the most ever-watched television event in U.S. history. Spurs beat Toronto 122-99. Why do you need to know about it? Because Webinyama had a triple-double with blocks. 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, and he was five assists away from a quadruple-double. And none of that explains that crazy outfit he was wearing. Okay, you got destroyed last night. 79-50 at Texas Tech. 10-3 was the difference in three-point shooting. Yes, 21 more points behind the arc for Texas Tech. Bill Self, head coach of Kansas, received his first ejection as a head coach. And finally, me 
meet Roshan Eagle of Staten Island. He was upset at a lower Manhattan bus driver. He punched the driver in the back of the head and then pulled a knife. Why was the rider upset? Because he thought the bus driver wasn't driving fast enough. In lower Manhattan traffic. He demanded the bus driver speed up, started cussing out the bus driver. Then, while driving, punched the driver in the back of the head. The driver then pulled over. The rider pulled a knife. The bus driver disarmed the man with the knife who was 10 years younger than he was, dropped him on the floor, and held him down until authorities arrived. Eagle will be spending quite a long time in jail. The driver went back to finishing his route. Yeah! Unplugged Army? Attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260. But thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings, and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030. So I'd love for you to stop by Civilic, represent, or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over. I'd love to see you Friday, February 23rd at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I realize this is probably in the department of way too personal. But here's something that I don't understand. How does one lose their nighttime mouth I don't care about the embarrassment of admitting I have one. I just, how did I lose it? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hi. Uh, wow, crazy, crazy day. I I am in a I, – I don't know how you feel when you plug down $1,000, but we just had some car work done, so that always stinks when you have a bill like that. So we got that, that punched me in the face. Then I got to go pick up the car today. I have lunch with friends today. I'm jacked up for that. That's the organic football show. I'm taking those guys to lunch. By the way, if you're not doing anything, please come out. 
We'll be at uh, Bell's Nashville Kitchen at noon. Non-sanctioned event. It's just me and a couple friends, uh, Rich and Brad, having lunch. So I'd love to have you as a part of it. If you want to stop by and have a beer, stop by and have lunch, please, please do so. Um, obviously, we'll try to, the, we're eating at noon, but you got to be back in time to watch Izzy's show or we'll just watch Izzy from Bell's, something like that. Are you all right with that, Izzy? Uh, maybe we'll have a watch, an, an iOS watch party today. Yeah, that sounds dope. Okay, okay. Well, uh, so, hey, Mikey, I, I know you're going to, uh, listen to the podcast later today. Try to set that up. Put uh, WTSM TV on one of the, the televisions above the bar. I'm assuming that they don't have internet television, but you got monitors. You can put the computer monitor on the, on the bar for us or something like that. So we'll, uh, we'll watch. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll watch Izzy today at, at Bell's. Um, I'm jacked up for that. I'm jacked up to be caught up. Usually after a golf tournament, I'm way behind on college basketball, and I'm totally caught up on my basketball watching. I could not believe this last night. Bill Self got ejected for the first time ever, ever. <laughs> last night and I, I didn't think the officiating was great but I didn't think it was that terrible for him to be losing his mind but he was trying to get his team fired up who uh gave up 21 more points from the uh from behind the arc Texas Tech just lit it up uh last night and I just I sit there and think boy ASU are you ready with U of A's financial problems I wonder if you're ready I don't think you're ready because of the finances ASU, I don't think you're ready because you're actually going to witness real-life basketball crowds all the time. All the time. Every game is like that. I shouldn't say, well, I'm not going to say that UCF is like that. But, oh my gosh, the fans of West Virginia, the fans of Texas Tech, the fans of KU, uh, it's... It's like nothing ASU fans have ever experienced. Now, granted, some of you as ASU fans, you've been to Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, if, if you were so upper echelon as far as being a booster and you went to that game, remember when Bobby Hurley won back-to-back games against Kansas? But it's just game in and game out in the Big 12. No more playing Oregon State and thinking it's a big game. You know what I mean? Uh, wow. Just watching that uh, that game last night, uh just totally, totally jacked me up. Izzy, what'd you do last night? Anything thrilling? Oh, no, nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> That's sometimes the best. Yeah, I was just fiending for some sports. <laughs> uh, what'd you watch? Did you watch KU or what'd you watch? Oh, I actually took it. I went to bed really early. I went to bed really early. So, That's wrestling. Funny. I, I tried to keep up with wrestling. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I went to bed early and that was 1030. And, uh, and that's, that's actually extremely early for me. But I, uh, the only thing I, I could not believe last night, I watched the Milwaukee-Denver game as well. That was shocking that Denver barely showed up to that. And then, oh, the Coyotes. What? Two games in a row where you have the lead in the third and you just flat out blow it on the road. And one of the games is against Nashville, who is right above you in the standings. Then you have a game, granted Phillies in the East, but now you've got a chance at another two points. And now the Coyotes, it's, it's like, it's one of those things where mathematically they're totally in the playoff race. I mean, they're totally in it. But you're, you're talking about now you've got to start being obnoxious and go somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 and 8, you know, to, to probably get into the playoffs. Just a complete meltdown. And give credit to Steve McCullough in the main event. I wanted to be a believer this year, especially in some of the 
games that Connor Ingram had. I wanted to be a believer in this year's Coyotes team. And he kept saying, they'll fall apart. They'll fall apart. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. And it, it was funny to me because I was always the guy that would get ripped on the old station because people wanted me to be kind-hearted and they thought I should basically lie. They wanted me to say everything's going to be okay for our teams and to root for them. And I'm like, listen, I got to separate it. On the old show from 6 to 10 in the morning, I'm going to bring it and tell you what I think is going to happen. And then at 10 o'clock, I can totally flip the switch and be, hey, go team. You know, go D-backs. I don't care who we're talking about. Get excited and believe in our team like a fan and be optimistic for every second. That is totally me while I'm watching the game, while I'm cheering for my team. But when I'm on in front of you here on WTSMTV.com, Doug Franz Unplugged or on the old show, I don't, I don't think that's right. I got I to gotta tell you what I think is going to happen. And if it's going to be ugly, you need to know. And then people would get mad at me. What was funny this year when Steve was saying, hey, you know, this isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. And I'm like, why do you keep saying that? Come on. And I wanted him to believe. (laughs) And now I'm just watching the Coyotes get totally smacked in the face. It just, oh, it is, uh, it's been, it's been rough to watch. Uh, Izzy, can I throw you a curveball before I get rolling here? Yep. Will you pull up the Webinyama, uh, Whatever that was. We need this explained. There is a rule in life that if you get a triple-double with blocks and you're only five assists away from a quadruple-double, which if you didn't see it last night, Webb and Yama, 27 points, 14 boards, 10 blocks in a game against the Raptors to go along with five assists. Now, he did have seven turnovers, five assists, seven turnovers. But still, five assists away from – and three turnovers away from a quintuple double if you wanted to count turnovers. Having said that, do those kind of numbers justify this? Right around this time last year, back to Toronto. And the slender man himself, Victor <laughs> Wenbinyama. Not that it's that cold here in Toronto, Matt, but he's got the look here tonight as he walks into Scotiabank Arena. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, TuneIn, if you have no idea what just happened, that was a little piece of the Spurs pregame show. Webinyama came in with a black, jet black jacket on, then a black hood that was not just a hoodie, it was a complete covering of the head, and then black goggles that there's no way he could see well indoors and walked in yes masked i i I don't know (laughs) i just don't have any idea what that was what what he was wearing can you try to explain what we saw izzy I, I wish I could. I, I, I wish. To be honest, I I thought he was – I was trying to find out what superhero he was trying to be, but, yeah, no. I, don't, I, I couldn't – I still can't find out what Victor Webbyama was trying to be. I mean, listen, give the guy credit. If you're going to wear that, you've got to go for a triple-double. I mean, that's the rule. You can't go in like that and lay, and lay an egg. But that was – I mean, we've seen the crazy – for me, it'll always be uh, – um, old Michigan Rose who came in in uh, you might want to Google that one Izzy because you probably don't uh, you don't know it 
But uh, if you look at Rose out of Michigan, I think he got drafted by the Bulls in 93, if I'm not mistaken. That, to me, is the craziest, even worse than some of Russell Westbrook stuff. That's the craziest outfit I remember in the NBA. And now Webman Yama has totally passed. Oh, actually, uh, Yoakam Noah, when he got drafted out of Florida by the Bulls, that probably would have been 08, I'm guessing. He looked uh, like a like a pretty much like a nut job, too. I. Yeah, have you seen that famous 2003 draft class where all their their suits are just oversized? Yes. It's like, I'm surprised they didn't trip, you know? Going yes, across that's the right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And and just to think, what's, what's so funny about that is, if, for, I think a lot of you know this, but in case you don't, in the pre-NIL days, those guys that wore those outfits, they hadn't been paid yet by the NBA. And they might have had a couple bucks because of underhanded cheating that was going on in college. But those are mostly loans from the agent. It's mostly, we know you've signed with us. We know you're going to make this much money. So we'll pay for this now. And then you, uh, and then we just take this out of your check. So these are guys that are, in a sense, taking out loans for some of those clothes. It's bad enough to take out loans for any clothing. But then to take out loans for clothes that you're never going to wear again that look like that? Yeah. <laughs> that draft clothes, you got to get it right. Now, I do love the flag in the coat trick. I'm a big fan of that. I admit, I think that's pretty cool to have your to have your country's flag sewn oh, into God, your yeah. coat. Stuff like some of that's 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 cool. Um, I realize on the one hand, if your if your coat's closed, why does it matter? But I don't know. I love that's that's a touch that I always uh, that I always think is is cool. What's the what's the outfit, Izzy? What's the picture of you that you fear of God comes over you at somebody ever seeing that picture again? A picture of me? Yeah. Oh man. I don't think I don't think I have. I got videos. Okay, I got you, videos because I sw- I swore up and down I was going to be the next Michael Jackson. Like, <laughs> I thought I thought I had dance moves out the world. So there, there's definitely clips of me like that. You, do you have a glove? No, I didn't have a glove. Okay, good. I didn't have a glove. I had the white T-shirt. You know, I was. That's all right. Then. Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't have the glove, that would be where I would. Uh, unless you're like not. I did have the glove, but yeah. I didn't. There, there's not a video of me. Oh, okay. Good job. You just stay. You just stay right. in your room when you put the glove on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> good. Well, that was smart on your part. Uh, and, and you didn't. You didn't. Did you? What was? How old were you when you got your first phone? Oh man, I was in seventh grade. So okay, yeah, about twelve. And it, did it have video on it? Uh, it was a flip phone, so oh. nah. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. so good then. I, you alone in the seventh grade with a flip phone or with a phone that was recording video might not have been good. I admit, I don't know. Let's just be happy that my generation did not have those things. That would have been. I can't imagine college with with phones in the nineties. That would not have. I mean, I'm sure we would have learned our lessons the hard way, but just like everybody else of this generation, for the most part. All right, uh, here we go. Sound credits today, boy. We got oh, we got a lot of stuff. <clears throat> Thanks to um, the Golf Channel for giving us the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, director, executive director with the Thunderbirds. We got Suns PR department gave us Frank Vogel, Bradley Beal, and uh, and Royce O'Neal, and Izzy just pulled that uh, Webb Binyama from the Spurs uh, pregame show from Bally Sports, and uh, the Patrick Mahomes came from uh, Chiefs, I, th- I believe KCChiefs.com. It might have been KNBC Nine, who uh, also had some stuff, and I think that's it. Can you think of anything else, Izzy? 
Um, nah, I think everything's yeah. good. I think we're good too. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. Number one, I want I want to make sure everybody knows the listens to Doug Franz Unplugged. The media do not send each other letters about what we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, yesterday, I ripped the Waste Management Phoenix Open and the Thunderbirds, and I did it through great pains. It really hurt me to do it because of how much respect I have for the Thunderbirds, but I thought it needed to be said. And I thought I would be ostracized, ripped. I thought I'd get attacked. How dare you take them on, blah, 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 blah. Then I go out into the real world yesterday, and all I hear is the same thing. There's articles written all over the place. Every TV talking head had a comment about it. Everybody talked all, all day yesterday about the behavior and the ridiculousness of how the Waste Management Phoenix Open totally blew it over the weekend. And I was thrilled to say, as all the rip job happened on Monday, this is what I, I got to give a massive amount of respect. Chance Cosby is the executive director of the Thunderbirds, and the Thunderbirds put on the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And he faced the music. Now, it's not like the Golf Channel was dropping haymakers or dropping hammers or throwing haymakers or anything like that. They weren't asking questions to destroy, but I'm okay with that because they got the points out. Let me... This, this was my style on air, and I actually did talk about the old show for a second. I used to take some criticism for this. I would feel like I would ask you a tough question, but I don't have to be having a tough demeanor while I ask. It would be, why did you do this? And then just let the guy answer. And some people love it when a talk show host gets argumentative with a guest. I felt like I've got four hours to say what I think needs to be said. This is this person's time to say it. I don't need to argue them down. Let them talk. Let you decide as a listener whether or not you, you agree with that person. And then if I don't like it, I'll take what they've said and I'll come back with it and talk about it later. That was my style. Some people loved it because it allowed the guests to talk. Other people, and almost equal to be quite honest, hated it because they felt like, Doug, you're the, you're the outreach of me. You've got the opportunity to talk to that person and, and tell them how it is and hammer that person that I don't get to hammer and, and you didn't do it. And they would think I was soft for that. So I want to set up that criticism that way so you understand that. I thought Golf Channel did a good job in asking the questions that needed to be asked and getting the answers. I was thrilled with Chance Cosby coming on and knowing the problem is big enough. I need to get in front of it. I need to talk about it. And I think he said the right things. Here is uh, Cosby on the Golf Channel yesterday talking about the future of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We're going to make changes. I think everybody probably agrees that, you know, we have a very unique culture of our event and, and we've been doing this for 89 years. The Thunderbirds were founded in 1937. This was our 89th plane. And I don't think any of us dreamed that it would grow to this um, level of attendance and excitement. But um, the fine line was really when we felt like we were just at a point on Saturday where our fans could not move around the golf course. Um, and at that moment, um, the right thing to do was um, to take the steps that, that we did. Uh, when you look at our course, 
we have a, a really big paved road that we call our hall road um, that really runs to the right side of 18 and to the right side of 17 behind all of our hospitality structures. And that was the point in time that um, the people, the flow of people simply could not flow. And we knew that we need to make uh, an operational decision at that point uh, to get people off the golf course um, simply for the safety of the event, the safety of the players, the safety of our fans. Um, and, and that was the decision that we made. And, you know, and it was the it was the right decision. With what he's talking about there is he's referring to the fact that they stopped accepting people's tickets. People had paid for tickets on Saturday and they couldn't get in because there was no room on the golf course with all of the mud and the rain to be able to funnel people to other spots of the golf course. So then they're all crammed in together where there's not enough room, which then bottlenecked the entrances. And then they told people you can't even come in. There were some reports, however, that it was so difficult to maneuver that they they stopped looking at some people's tickets. I've heard a lot of reports where people just walked in without having to show a ticket. And then there's people that have tickets that can't get in to be fair how often do you expect that type of weather in phoenix i mean i've been here for 17 years i've never seen something like that in and 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 remember the phrase atmospheric river that that was being used that went through southern california and that's what hit phoenix phoenix an atmospheric river Okay, that doesn't sound very good. So I want to give the Thunderbirds a little bit of room that they dealt with challenges that have never been dealt with before. But you really get to know how you handle challenges when you watch people fail that bad at handling the challenges. And that was a massive amount of failure. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he says there's going to be changes. Well, what are those changes, Chance? So I think that you will see... Um, a complete operational change of how we manage uh, really our Friday and Saturday, uh, but the, in, the entire week. I mean, the, we're very proud of what we built. Um, you know, we've been, I think we've been tournament of the year on the PGA tour five of the last seven years, but we don't like what happened on Saturday. The players don't like what happened on Saturday. Our fans don't like what happened on Saturday. And so Nothing is is off the table. Um, you know, we're going to look at our just general admission ticket exposure um, and how many are out in the marketplace. We're going to look at our complete security plan and um, and and just how we operate. I think it's a Saturday at the WM Phoenix Open in 2024 is going to end up being a turning point for our tournament and our organization uh, to make our event better. I uh, hats off chance that that's why I wanted to spend some time on Doug's big one today talking about this, because if I'm going to talk about the negatives, which I think are totally deserved yesterday, then I need to come back and say, okay, where are we now? And I think that that's fantastic in the way that he handled it. Now, what needs to happen? Okay. In order to change this, number one, they need a lot more points of entry, and that's not necessarily easy. There's lots of 
you know, houses. I mean, this is a na- this is a golf course that's built in parts of the neighborhood in North Scottsdale. So you you can't have people walking into anybody's yards. You have the one entrance through the Fairmont which is for hotel guests. Then you, I think only hotel guests can get through there. If you know better than me, please uh, tweet me, email me, or post something on Instagram to me. Doug at Doug Franz, unplugged.com email. Twitter, at Unplugged Doug. Instagram, at Doug Franz Unplugged. But I, I only know over the times that I have been there, when you go under the overpass, you walk back up, and, and then you've arrived. And uh, and then that's where all of the ticketing is, or that's after the ticketing, and you go under, and then you're up there at 18. Um, I think they clearly need to be able to have different entry points. Maybe what they do is you have a scenario where some people, you know, you know, when you walk into the airport security, and you say like, like everybody seems to conglomerate right next to the bins and the X-ray machines that are next to where the TSA guy just checked your boarding pass. Instead of real, and you you always hear one TSI go go lane ten is open, lane ten is open, and you've got to walk all the way down the hall, all the way down the aisle to get to lane 10 but there's hardly anybody over there because nobody notices it i think that's a scenario where you have an entrance that leads you into the 18 area but then instead of having the massive run at six in the morning to go get a seat on 16 I would say have another area where you walk along where you don't get your ticket processed and you walk a lot further just to get to the entrance of where they can take your ticket. But then it puts you right there on the course. So have certain groups walk a little bit to get their ticket punched, you know, quote unquote scanned. And then you're already in to go wherever you want. And another group that gets siphoned off that walks a lot further to get their ticket scanned. However, once their ticket scanned, they're like right there. They don't have as far to walk to get to the hole they're looking for. That has to happen. I would also actually start selling weather-related general admission tickets. I would no longer just have tickets to get in. I would say there are guaranteed general admission tickets, and I would say there's weather-related general admission tickets. So if you ever have weather like that again that doesn't allow parts of – it's it's almost like parts of the course are inhabitable, as I make up a word for that. When they're too muddy to stand on, you can't get up on the hills, or or nobody wants to sit on the hill because it's wet and gross and, and, and you don't have a chair, things like that. Those people just ended up standing and conglomerating right around everybody else. So there was no room for anybody to walk. And even more specifically, if let's say somebody falls from 16, it's hard to get emergency crews to people because there's, it's hard for the emergency crews to get out. Imagine you have an area packed full of people and now you say move for the emergency cart to come through. Well, where can people go? You can't just part the Red Sea if there's nowhere for that guy to get out of the way. And that's what was happening. So I would have weather-related tickets that say, okay, the weather's good enough, the, fee- the course conditions are good enough, that since you have so many places you can go, you are allowed to use your ticket. Up, 
Today is a bad weather day. That means there's fewer places for you to go on the course. That means we're operating at a lower capacity. And you could either do it one of two ways, money back guarantee, or if you charge less enough for the weather-related general admission tickets, that then it says, hey, that's your risk. And it was only 15 bucks for you to get in. However, you might lose all 15 bucks if we cancel your ticket because of weather-related issues. That would be uh, numbers one and two. Um, the, I would hate this, but I think it has to be implemented. Usually at an event like that, especially in the suites, you can buy two or three drinks at a time. And the reason why is simple. You're carrying, it's very chivalric. You know, you're carrying a drink. Hey, do you want something to drink? Yes. Okay. You're carrying a drink to somebody. I think that what's happened is people can't be trusted in that scenario of being able to carry multiple drinks. The perfect, the person consuming the alcohol has to be the person that buys the alcohol for the most part. I realize there's going to be times where you're going to buy a drink for your wife and, and they're not going to see your wife, your girlfriend, what have you. But I think it's important that we have a scenario where the person serving the drinks sees eye to eye with the person receiving the drinks beforehand. I think that's going to be really, really important. So I would change it to one drink per person instead of the probable two or three drinks per person that is normally being able to be purchased. I admit I hate that. I mean, as a as somebody that doesn't go, like I get drunk at home sometimes if I'm having a bunch of people over. I don't count how many beers I drink. I don't care. Or if I know one of my kids are driving me home, I admit I don't count necessarily. But once it's once I start having plenty, it's like okay, I'm shutting it down because I'm not home. That's that's different when you're out there in a situation like that and since it's clear that uh, they don't have control i think everybody else has to suck it up and realize okay we just got screwed by everybody else and now instead of me being able to I, like i like to like when if i go to a d-backs game i normally buy two beers at the same time either one for jennifer and one for me or i'm getting two for me because i don't want to go back and stand in line again and I know I'll drink the first one fast enough that the second one will still be cold. I like that. But that's not something that we can keep doing at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I would also do something that has to happen. I would stop trusting people in suites. For some reason, I don't know if it's considered upper crust. I don't know if it's considered they know better. I don't know why you would assume that. But there's not as much security in suites. That has to end. I think you need a lot more security personnel, volunteers, what have you, in the suites. Telling people, other than 16, I say 16, be noisy. But on the other 17 holes of the golf course, this is a golf tournament. Be quiet. And you need people in there saying, hey, we need you guys to whisper. We need you guys to talk a, a lot lower. This, you know, and, and you have the right to eject people out of a suite. I don't care if it's a guy that owns the suite. I don't care if it's a Thunderbird. I don't care who it is. The security personnel have the right to eject people who are not allowing this to be an actual golf tournament other than people on 16. I, I will still defend 16. Not people falling out of 16, but I will defend 16. I, I think 16 should be that way. I think it's different. I think it's special. And I don't think that should be lost because of uh, a ridiculous year. Although 
I would put a stop to some things. Uh, General Mike has emailed us for Town Hall Tuesday, and he said there was a a sexual blow-up doll that was being passed around the bleachers of 16. I I think there are things where we could say, okay, that's not something we should be doing. Call me crazy on that. But I would have a lot more security in the suites. And then the other thing, the last thing I would do, and I don't even know if TPC Scottsdale wants to do this. I don't know if the Thunderbirds want to do this. I would completely enhance the enticement a lot for volunteers. I would either lower the price to be a volunteer. I would give many more rounds of golf. I think this tournament helps the entire Valley. I would ask for other golf courses to chip in free free rounds of golf for volunteers at the Waste Management Phoenix Open and say, you know what, you get this golf pass that's good at these three courses or these four courses. I would give more to the volunteers. And the reason why is they're going to deal with more unruly fans as these changes happen. But number two, also so you get more of them. Because like I said, I want to dramatically enhance security in the suites. Those are my ideas. Today is Town Hall Tuesday. You're not going to have the time to, uh, to get your comments in for Town Hall Tuesday on my ideas of fixing the Waste Management Phoenix Open. But my number one thing is attack this as if it's a major problem even though you are fantastic at doing what you do. The Thunderbirds have been fantastic for our community and for this tournament. The TPC Scottsdale has been fantastic for our community and this tournament, and so has the PGA. And those three things need to keep going. They don't need to reinvent the wheel and act like they're all terrible at running the tournament in general. But they do need to wake up and realize they butchered it this weekend. And I think Chance Cosby really did himself well on the golf channel. So good job, Thunderbirds. And and especially to turn that around the very next day. That was a Monday interview. So think about it. The golf tournament ends. You got the Super Bowl. I'm sure people wanted to watch that. You you probably had a meeting Sunday night about how are we going to handle the PR aspect of this. Maybe you met again Monday morning. But there were a lot of things you had to go over to make sure everybody's on the same page and saying the same message. And clearly, they didn't sit around. They immediately accepted the fact they were at fault and had more to do. So just as strongly as I ripped them yesterday, I totally support them and say, great job. Not that they woke up this morning and thought, I wonder what the commander in chief of the unplugged army thinks. I realize they didn't care, but I, I, I got to be fair to people. And I thought that they handled it great the day after, not, not during, but the day after they deserve a lot of credit. All right, coming up next, got a big sun's breakdown, breakdown, breakdown to do. And Izzy will take over with a little Town Hall Tuesday. That's coming up. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Of course, as you know, because of the orange juice and the beer I drink, I am a picture of health. However, intern McKenna and Jennifer used to get sick all the time until we bought an air scrubber from Parker and Sons. Call 6022 repair and ask about an air scrubber. It actually removes some of the germs, viruses, and allergens from even the surfaces of your home. I have zero idea how this thing works. Don't ask me. I'm not the expert. But I know that hospitals use them. 
I also know at first Parker and Sons, they didn't truly believe it either. So they bought one, installed it in their home just to test it, to make sure that this is a worthwhile product that deserves the name Parker and Sons. They're thrilled with it, and that's why they offer them to you, and that's why I have them in my home. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. That was my golf sounder there. Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Sanctioned event coming up Friday. Love to see you out there February 23rd. Please, if you get a chance, go. Oh my gosh, is you're like lightning. Uh, unplugged at whirlwind.com. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Izzy just very quickly, I, didn't, I forgot to tell him. Hey, I'm, I'm going to talk Whirlwind. Uh, and he already put up the website. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and then at the top, click on the events page. When you first get to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com, you're just going to see the logo static for Whirlwind Plus. Make sure you go to the events page. That's what's going to show you our February event coming up this Friday. I can't explain enough how much money we're saving. Now, you and I can argue all day long whether $260 is a lot to play golf. I think it is. But they're getting that. Okay, this is supply and demand. People, the course is that gorgeous. That's how much people spend to play. And the Unplugged Army, we're getting it for $109. <laughs> how often do you get something that is over half off but it's in the prime time. This isn't like a pair of jeans that sat on the rack for six months. It's already changed hands to two different stores, and now it's been thrown down and said, fine, give them 60% off. This is still the prime moment of the season, and Sweet Lou says, unplugged army, here's what you get. $109 plus tax for us. So if you want to have just, if you're just a solo golfer, then why not save that much money to play a legendary course? Sign up, unpluggedatwhirlwind.com, click on the events page. If you've got a buddy and you both want to play together, just put that in the comments page. I want to be paired with so-and-so. If it's more important to you to have a specific time, say, hey, I can't get there by noon, but I could get there by 1.15. Can I have 1.15? We'll, we'll do our best to put it at the time that you request. No guarantees, but put down where, whether it's better for you to golf closer to noon or closer to 1.30, closer to the middle, or if you don't care. If, if playing with somebody's more important, and man, if you could bring a foursome, that would be awesome. Especially if they're, if they're not in the Unplugged Army. Just tell them, hey, I listen to this podcast. I watch this TV show on WTSMTV.com. I love having early sports uh, in my morning. Jump on it. I'd love to have you part of this event. Sanctioned event coming up a week from Friday. And we'll see you there. Uh, I'll be there at about 1030 in the morning. We're there from noon to five. And uh, uh, it'll be, man, it'll be fantastic. I, I can't wait to see everybody as part of the Unplugged Army. So please come out and be a part of it.
this Royce O'Neal thing, I'm really interested. I, I feel like I've lost a little credibility today, to be quite not not today, but uh, it, with the Suns, because I liked some of the bench players that they picked up. And for the most part, they all failed. <laughs> there, were, there were times where a couple guys did okay, but it was really up and down this year with the bench. And I liked, like James Jones had a presser a couple days ago, and he said something that I thought was, you know, kind of silly. Uh, maybe he's just a positive thinking person and he's not being dishonest. But he was asked, you guys said at the beginning of the year, that you liked your team, you thought this was a championship team, and now you're making changes. What happened? When was it? At what course in time did you feel like you guys weren't good enough to win a championship? And James spun it. He immediately said, well, you know, that, that's never happened. We've never stopped believing in our team. We believe in the guys that were here before. We just thought we could improve. So since we can get better, we made a move to get better. So it's not where we stop believing on other guys. It's where we believe more in this. We believe this team is improved. So that's why we made the move. Great kick save. I mean, it's a great answer, but I have a hard time believing it. Like you really believe Watanabe and Metu are the, the keys to winning a championship. Like, those were the guys that were going to help. Come. Not really. Not really. I did like uh, Bates Diop. I, I, I thought that he was going to grow into a little bit better player. The other guys, they just didn't bring it. And I'm totally okay with getting rid of them. I just felt like how wrong I was because I liked those pickups. Royce O'Neal is a little bit of a different story. He does, I don't think he does anything great. I think he does a lot of things good. I think he's a perfect complement player for this team because he has no problem defending. He's not afraid to pick up a scoring load. He's a decent three-point shooter, and he's an aggressive three-point shooter, so he's not like, oh, no, I've got Devin Booker. I have got uh, somebody like KD. I shouldn't shoot it. No, he knows passing up an open shot for a contested shot, even if it is by KD is a bad decision. And some players even think it's a selfish decision. Oh, I don't want to shoot it, so I'm going to give it up and make somebody else shoot it with less time on the shot clock and force something up. Well, that's that's not helping the team either. Royce O'Neal isn't afraid of defense. He's not afraid to shoot. And he's a decent passer, so there's a lot to his game. Here's Frank Vogel on Royce O'Neal and kind of just getting thrown into the fire against Golden State when he had barely had time to get to know the team. Uh, true pro, you know what I mean? He's a respected vet. He, he understands it. He's been with a few different teams, and um, he's been wonderful in terms of, uh, you know, just coming in. I thought he was really communicative throughout the game the other night, which is something that, uh, you know, our team needs. You know, we, we can we have a tendency to be too quiet as a basketball team overall, and, you know, I liked, uh, you know, how, how he led, you know, even though it was his first game with our group. You know, so that was a, a positive thing, and, um, you know, he continues to, uh, you know, have a high IQ and understanding of, of picking things up. Love any time a coach says they have a high IQ. That's just not one of those compliments that gets thrown out for no reason. Coaches hold that one back. They say it when it's deserved. Also, how about the fact that he walked in and led? Supposedly, Royce O'Neal didn't like the lack of defensive communication. 
that was going on. And it's interesting to think about how many times, especially in fourth quarters, the Suns do a poor job communicating defensively. And it's supposed to be Frank Vogel's success is defensively. But if he can't get guys to communicate, it doesn't matter. And I know for a lot of people, you know, how how real important is it? Oh, my gosh. Calling out the screen so you know the different angles, calling out what type of screen and communicating just where you are going. Sometimes defenders have choices. So if you hear what somebody else has chosen to do, then even if they made the wrong choice, at least you know where they're going. So maybe you can make the right choice for them and cover for them. Things like that. Communication is the key to defense. And to hear that Royce O'Neal is new on the team and he's already learned the defensive coverages and he's already barking out uh, different communication keys and then more importantly, getting on other people for not doing it, that's huge. Bradley Beal, what do you think of Royce O'Neal in game one? He's a pro, you know, like you just said, we threw him in the fire. But, uh, you know, he's, you know, when you, you've played on multiple teams who, you know, have success and guys who can – who are successful at playing with other stars. Like, he he knows what, what to do. He knows what his role is. And uh, he even came in yesterday and challenged – I mean, in the Golden State game and challenged us to communicate a little bit better than what we were, you know. So, uh, you know, it's just a, a testament to him being around uh, and being a true pro. How are you not a fan of that for two two reasons? Number one, further proof that he did what we just talked about. But secondly, what I like about it is how accepting Bradley Beal was of it. You know, he even came in and got on us for our lack of communication. That didn't sound like somebody that was saying that bitter. Uh, that, that sounded like somebody that was really impressed that he had the courage to do it. And I don't think you say that if he's wrong. Like, think about that for a second. Can you imagine a new guy coming in at work telling you what he looks at how other people and including yourself are doing things wrong yet when he did it you know that guy's wrong and you're still going to speak positively about him like like just let that wash over you for a second that might have been a convoluted point you're a pretty good welder okay you're you're pretty good at welding some guy who comes in who's great at welding looks at everybody that's welders on the job and tells them something that everybody's not doing right or not or doing okay at but not doing it well enough but that guy that's new that came in and did it now imagine if he's right how well it galvanizes people okay man i'm glad he said that boy that made me more efficient that gets me home sooner or that makes me more money whatever it is great job or now imagine that new guy's wrong. He comes in, sees something that all of you are doing that he thinks is wrong. He tells everybody they need to start doing it a different way. All of you guys know your way is more efficient. Are you really going to go to the boss and say, man, I really appreciate new guy Ralph coming in here and explaining what we were doing wrong and helping out. That was great leadership by Ralph. You know, you're either going to tell on Ralph or keep your mouth shut. It's going to be one or the other. You're not going to praise him. So by Bradley Beal saying that Royce O'Neal came in 
and got on him for not communicating enough, that shows that Royce was right. That feeds into that basketball IQ. All right, Royce, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, how do you like Arizona so far on your new team? I mean, I like it. You know, uh, I like this sun. You know, I might I might get a few shades darker. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, you know, just the environment. Uh, I mean, I never really spent time here. So, we get to, you know, move around and, you know, figure out the city. In case you're listening to the podcast and not watch, looking at Royce O'Neal, he's black. <laughs> and that's why that was really funny. And I, I wish we lived in a society that could joke back and forth more often and not take ourselves so seriously. But that was, uh, that was really funny of Royce. But he seems really, really comfortable. And, and, and I love it. Think about the first two quotes. Both guys, well, he's a pro. To us, I don't, that's not something we use a lot. Um, in the radio business, it does actually get used. I don't know if it's used in your business very often. But in the radio business, people will say he's a pro. And sometimes it means they're not special. Okay, there, there is a little caveat to that. They're not special, but they're a pro, meaning you can count on them to do it. Now, some people in – I only know the radio business. Some people in the radio business – are more along the lines of, I want somebody that I think is going to be special. And then if they fail, they just replace them. But they don't want the pro. They don't want the person they can count on because they don't look at that as special. They don't realize that if you have more pros, more guys that are pros, then you can take a chance on one guy that is young and special. But that guy can learn from the pros. If you end up trying to say, okay, we've got six positions here. Let's put in, let's put in like four or five, let's say five guys that we think are going to be special. I guarantee you very few of them are going to be special. Very, very few. Because they don't have anybody to learn from. They can't learn from the pros. And boy, is that big in being a general manager on a sports team. Okay? You can't get somebody that's a seven-year pro and all of a sudden they become special unless they're Barry Bonds and they turn to steroids <laughs> but you're not gonna get somebody special who's already seven years in all right that's that's who they are but you get enough of those pros and then you bring in somebody special now they learn do you remember Adam Jones played center field for the a little more right field for the uh, Diamondbacks for a short period of time but almost a lifelong Orioles, but the huge chunk of his career with the Orioles. Adam Jones was one of my favorite players of all time. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He was just one of my favorite players because he played so hard and always told it like it is. Speedy dude, too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, man. He, man. He's just such a smart guy, but an intense athlete at the same time. And I love people like that. Uh, the Frank Robinsons, Bob Gibsons, if you're super old school, kind of from that mold. However, what was awesome about him is I got lucky enough on the old show to have him on when he first signed with the Diamondbacks. And we talked about a veteran presence. And I asked him who was the big veteran presence in his life. And he... He threw me for a loop. I never expected this name. And Sun Devil fans, you'll like this. He said, Willie Bloomquist. Now, for those of you who don't know, Willie Bloomquist is a Sun Devil head coach right now and a former Diamondback. 
Well, Willie was also with the Seattle Mariners. That's the team that drafted Adam Jones, and they eventually traded him to Baltimore early in his career. And Adam Jones admitted he came into the league high on himself. Everybody was talking about how great he's going to be. Seattle had been building him up to the fan base forever. And he walked in as a big believer of Adam Jones. And I can see it because Adam Jones is so intense in everything he does. He was probably very intense in his confidence in himself. And didn't quite realize everybody in that room is a pro. Everybody in that room at some point in their lives was the hottest piece of crap in the history of their junior high, their high school, probably their city, and maybe even their whole state. And all of them had big press clippings at some point in their life. And Willie Bloomquist basically said, this is how it is, kid, and had no problem explaining every time Adam Jones got out of line. And what did that do? Adam Jones is humble enough as a human being to accept the fact that he needed it, but confident enough in himself to take that criticism and then use it to become an even better player and have a higher team IQ, maybe not baseball IQ in the sense of what you do when you're on the field. Adam Jones was born with that and was willing to pay attention and learn that. But I mean the IQ of being a good teammate of understanding what your team needs off the field. Adam Jones learned that from Willie Bloomquist and talked about what Willie taught him. Not only did that excite me as a Sun Devil fan, but I thought it was amazing because I kind of knew Willie Bloomquist, all right? Uh, Willie and I, I wouldn't say we were text buddies, but we would text every now and then, and I got to know him in the clubhouse. Pretty much a go-to guy to learn some things uh, about how he kind of led the team at times and things like that but I I didn't look at him in that light and it was really cool to have another player say that's the guy and it's so neat because Willie Bloomquist is not going to the Hall of Fame Willie Bloomquist wasn't even a guy where one team says we're never going to let Willie Bloomquist go yet that's the kind of guys you count on a lot of the times for leadership and that was a good lesson and I look at that in this same type of vein of who are these types of people and then you hear about it from Royce O'Neal and uh, and I, I think that's pretty good okay I do have a question yeah, though absolutely now, now everything you said was great everything that you said was 100% great but I still look at Royce O'Neal and figure like we we could have cloned Josh Akogi and we could get the same result you know out of the man like and what I mean by that is I'm talking on the court yeah and so I think what he did is great in terms of communication and everything he's done for the Golden State Warriors. But in terms of just looking at this deal from the outside looking in, it's you, I feel like they could have did a whole lot better. Don't you think? I don't think they could have done a whole lot better. Really? <laughs> but um, I, because of the salary cap situation and trying to fit people in right. for what they have. And now, when we talk about a Kogi, so far, I have missed on a Kogi. I loved the signing of Josh Akogi, oh, yeah. and I thought he was going to be better than he was. And he and he went through that horrible stretch where he couldn't hit the three at all. So if you are a non-championship team, and I, you know it's debatable whether this team's winning a championship, but there's no debating that's their aspiration. If you are a young building team, I don't think you make this move. I think you live and die by the mistakes of Akogi to hope that he builds himself up.
I think if you're truly a championship team, you've got to look at Josh Okogie and say, you didn't get it done in enough amount of time for us to not do anything. So we had to go make a move. And I think Royce O'Neal is, is a little bigger. So I like the physicality that he brings. And uh, and that's why I like him. Uh, but I still have him coming off the bench. I'm not saying that you start Royce O'Neal. Yeah, just I just wasn't a huge fan of it. Like, do you, do you think it would have been along the lines of somebody like a like a Buddy Hield? You know, somebody that would work out with that with the Phoenix Suns. You get some a great offense. The defense is going to struggle, but the offense works out a whole lot better. I, I would love a uh, number one is Buddy Hield available. He was, yeah. <laughs> but he was traded way before. I think he was traded after before. Yes, uh, yes, before they were ready to. Uh, well, then that's on James Jones if somebody beat you to the punch. The one thing about Buddy Heald, though, is what are you using him for? I don't think this team has an offensive problem. Like, it's easy to say you need more offense off the bench. But in truth, if you have a big three, they almost become part of the bench. It's not like you're going to have a close game where Booker and Durant and Beal are all on the bench. You're going to have one of them out there. So do you necessarily need a Buddy Heald who's a below-average passer and god-awful defensively, but, man, can he score? I don't know if scoring's the problem. I think defense and passing on the bench are the problem. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well. Okay. And I guess I'm in terms of availability, too, on top of that because I'm still not certain that – and I'm not trying to wish this on anybody, but I'm yeah. not certain that the big three can still remain healthy well, that's, for a long period okay. of time. That's a different – see, that discussion to me is very fair. And I don't I don't know if you remember this, but you were nice enough to run the camera for us when we went out to the Bradley Beal press conference. Yes. And after we did that, and it's still up on WTSMTV.com. It was great. Izzy and I out there. Thanks to the Suns. We got, to, we got to interview Bradley really quickly. And then the folks at 12 News asked me, hey, will you come do a hit? I said, sure, sure. And Cam Cox asked me, Dougie, don't you think we're going to win a championship? And I said, no. <laughs> and he was like, oh, bet out of shape. He goes, why? We got this, we got this, we got this. I said, listen, if this team stays healthy, yes, I actually think there's going to be a parade. Yet, there's no way in the world I'm going to believe Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, three guys with an, two guys with an injury history. I hate to say that Book has an injury history, but he kind of does. He has a hamstring, I guess. A yeah, but there's always like a hamstring, or then there was the, the, the right wrist years and years and years ago. But there has always been a little something that knocks him out for, a, not like maybe multiple things that knock him out for two or three games here, two or three games there. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you look and he played 70 games instead of 80 games but that you know crap happens but the three of them I didn't think they would stay healthy all enough in a year to develop the chemistry to then do well in the postseason and when I say well I mean get to the NBA finals win the west so to me your point is 100% valid but I also think it's irrelevant at the same time because if one of those three get hurt I don't think there's anybody out there, including Buddy Heald, that are good enough to put them on par with everybody else. So I don't think there's a way to make a – unless you're trading for, like, LeBron. I don't think there's a way to make a trade that fixes the problem if one of the three get go down. I don't think you're winning if any of the three go down no matter what. 
Well, I, I think the problem well mainly that's trying to be fixed is that when you're looking at the just the offensive effort, like my, my go-to is okay. I love me some Aaron Eric Gordon, but he can also destroy you in a game. You know, <laughs> yes. he can also ruin you. Yes. So I don't want to do. I don't want to strictly rely on also Grayson Allen as well. I don't want to rely on Grayson Allen if one person goes down, and I don't want to look at Royce O'Neal either to say, all right, man, this is your game. We need to carry the fort because we we need you in these yes. moments. Yes. I don't. I don't really think he'll shine in those moments. Quite frankly, this is this is bad argument arguing on my part because I'm just going to go back and repeat the same point. <laughs> I think everything you said is right and I don't think there's any way around the fact that there's nobody like like I know you mentioned Josh Okogie and you certainly didn't mean it in this way but I'll, I'll use it in this way. If Beal goes down Josh Okogie's not filling in for Bradley Beal. Like he'll fill it in for them in the lineup. Right. But the, I don't look around the NBA and say that guy is available and he would be able to replace whoever we're talking about one of the big three. Got you. I, I think no matter who you get, they're not good enough to replace the big three. So then it becomes who complements the big three. I am fully on board that if one of the big three gets hurt, we might win a first round series. And that's a might. <laughs> I agree. There's no way we're winning to me a second round series if one of the big three are hurt. So when we start looking at what do you do if one of the big three are hurt, I don't think anybody's out there that they could have gotten out buddy healed certainly would have been one where you say okay one of these guys get hurt he brings offense but i think if we're making trades based on the potential of somebody getting hurt i like that idea of the offseason when you're saying we've got to improve our depth we've got to improve our bench things like that at the trade deadline i'm looking at it and saying okay who gives us a better chance at winning a championship? And I think if one of the three get hurt, we got no shot at winning a championship. So from that prism and that prism only, who fits? And I think Royce O'Neal fits if you accept me saying somebody gets hurt, we're out. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. I got you. Definitely definitely got you, man. Now we'll, we'll see if I'm right. I mean, <laughs> plenty of time for me to follow my face after that long-winded point. V- Frank Vogel, I'm not going to say he says this to agree with me, but he does say this in the sense of he believes there's a lot more left for them to get to. You know, uh, I still think we have uh, another year, another level we can reach defensively. I think we're ranked 16th. We were two days ago, 16th in the NBA defensively, and uh, – you know, we definitely are. We're a team built built around offensive firepower. You know, that has to learn to compete uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Because if uh, you know, if the offensive talent we have plays team first offensive basketball, and then really honors the defensive side of the ball as well, we got a chance to do something special. So you can see there, he's he is trying to raise the bar on the guys and that's why i do like Rose o'neill getting on people hey we got to do this we got to do this right from the start because i'm sure frank vogel's like yeah it's about time somebody starts doing what i've been asking them to do so that is important and to me a lot of my letdown is nurkic maybe i'm the idiot in the room that expected a lot more from nurkic but maybe portland never cared about defense but i i, I was always told terry stotts loves defense and i wanted to see I didn't think you'd see a problem with with him, Nurkic, coming in and stinking defensively. He's doing fine as an individual defender. What he's doing a bad job of is as a defensive communicator. 
being the rim protector doesn't just mean I block shots. And he's really not a great rim protector, to be honest. But what it truly means, the center, a true NBA five, and there's not a lot of them, has to be a defensive communication anchor. They're the ones that's dictating to everybody else what we're doing, how we're doing it. And it's normally their guy that's setting all the screens on the guards. So, therefore, that guy's got to be the great communicator. And either Nurkic is doing a poor job communicating or guys aren't listening to him. I don't know which one it is, but there was way too many defensive breakdowns early in the year. And I bet it had a lot to do with communication. So there's Vogel trying to say, hey, listen, we're built on offense, but if we can do more, let's do it. And the areas to do more, better defense, cut down on turnovers. Uh, do you remember our conversation yesterday? I, I really didn't like the play of Bradley Beal on the Steph Curry three. And keep in mind when I say that, um, there's no way I'm saying Steph Curry isn't great. And once Steph Curry got the ball, that was an incredible shot. Incredible shot. Good job. However, how did he get the ball? And that's why I said a junior high defensive situation where you've got to know when you go out and deny, you deny with the outside hand, you don't turn your body into the ball. And that's what Bradley Beal did. Because think about it. If, if somebody's trying to pass it to Patrick Corbin, don't forget the Corbin rule. If somebody's trying to pass the ball to Patrick Corbin here and I'm running out to defend it, I can go like this and I can just knock the ball away. Two and a half seconds, the clock ticks. Now I've knocked the ball away, right? However, if I am now turning my body and I'm already defending like this, now I have to bring my offhand all the way around to be able to get the ball. In that split second of time, that's when the ball goes through. That's when you miss out. And I went, when I uh, said junior high yesterday, I mean it along the lines of, we all did it. <laughs> all of us did it at junior high. And then what did we do? We either had to figure it out or run. And you stop doing it. Get your deny hand out. Knock it away with your deny hand. And that was a bad mistake by Bradley Beal. So that was my conversation about it yesterday. Bradley Beal, I liked this. It clearly to me shows it doesn't matter that you're an NBA professional. He either watched the film and knew he screwed up or somebody had a conversation with him like, what was that? Uh, yes, uh, I, <laughs> uh, we we didn't guard the last play the right way, uh, but I still shouldn't have went for the steal. As close as it looked, I uh, probably still should have stayed solid and just forced him to shoot. If he made it over me, you know, he he, made, he makes it. I mean, that's what he does, you know. So I'd rather have him have a contest over a hand versus no contest and a wide open look at the hoop. So, I mean, high side of it, I mean, we can – I know I won't make that mistake again for sure. Uh, but I think we'll be a lot better uh, in the games. All right. That's over. <laughs> now, he didn't quite say, I totally screwed this up. He said, we didn't defend that well. And Booker was the other one that was coming out. So I don't know for sure what Booker might have done wrong on that or what somebody else didn't switch. And maybe Beal felt late. But I think Beal knows the big mistake. It wasn't a mistake going for the steal. 
It was a mistake how we went for the steal. I don't want to take that away from him. Don't lose your aggression, Bradley Beal. Don't lose the aggression. You're an athlete. Don't turn that off. You think you can get that steal, go get it. Just don't turn. Just knock the ball away first and then chase it down. You scoring isn't nearly as important as you disrupting. But he's right. If you're not sure you can get the steal, then you've got to get in front of Steph Curry. You've got to figure out a way to get away from Steph Curry. I just don't want to take somebody's aggression away. There's just a way to do it right when you're, uh, when you're being aggressive. And you could tell by the way he was talking, he understood that that thing was uh, messed up. All right, last one from Bradley Beal is just simply what happened at the end of the first half. And I think that that's a really important point. The Suns, this is off the top of my head. But they had, uh, I, I would say, about a six, I think it was about a six-point lead with maybe two and a half minutes left. I'm, I'm trying to look at my notes, and I think I have that right, that they have about a six-point lead maybe with four minutes left and then just had a meltdown at the end of the first half. And that matters when you look at a game that ends by a one-point lead. Uh, Bradley Beal, what happened at the end of the first half? Why would you give up a tough run? I mean, we understand how important it is for us to get a win and important for us to stay at five and continue to move move up. Uh, we're in a really good spot, but, you know, we could be in a better spot for sure. we got to get these last two. And, uh, you know, after break, we all know that's, that's downhill after that. But, you know, it's, we're confident where we are. Um, our energy is great. Our focus is where it needs to be. We know we got a tough last, tough two. So the ones before the break always, everybody's just looking forward to just getting on their flights and going wherever they're going. But, you know, it's we want to be a championship team. We got to, every game matters, you know, especially the last two and the two after break. That's always the most Thanks, important. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you, Brad. So it's funny, just as I said, Bradley Beal, how bad did you screw up? Then what do I do? I terribly screwed up. <laughs> I labeled that cut the end of the first half. And I remember watching the game being upset about the end of the first half of Golden State. What my notes should have said, well, they, they said the right thing, end of the first half, but I meant first, I should have written the word season. He's talking about the end of the first half of the season. Now, not technically game 41, but going into the all-star break. What I like about the quote a lot is that he addressed the situations that normally happen. The, the Suns have a back-to-back, a weird back-to-back, a rare home back-to-back, They have the energy against Sacramento, and then they play a bad Pistons team on Valentine's Day. Then they don't play again. Well, play? They don't play again until the game. Sorry, we ran out of water, and that's where the voice starts to go. Um, Then we play at Dallas on the 22nd. So you've got a week after the Pistons game, other than people like Booker and Durant, you've got a week before you get on the plane on the 21st, and now you got some rest. And with a whole week off, like Grayson Allen was even talking about a vacation. These guys are human. All right? These guys are human. What do you think about the day before vacation? All right? Are you really the best worker there is before you go on a vacation? I I tell you, I used to handle that situation great until, I don't know, but the last two years at the station, I just started like, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get somewhere. That probably should have been a sign to me, something's not right with me. I've got to fix myself. 
but I, I didn't look at it like that. But what are you like? Are you thinking of vacation? Are you skipping steps? Are you focused and giving your job everything you've got right until five o'clock or right until that last sale or doing, are you thinking about escaping, getting out early? Are you thinking about the trip and not focused? Players do the same thing. I just like how Bradley Beal addressed that. I like how Bradley Beal looked at it and said, the two before and the two after are something to look at. Well, here's what they've got. The two going in, home against Sacramento tonight, home against Detroit tomorrow, then a week off, and then next Thursday and Friday at Dallas, at Houston, on a road back-to-back. Now, I'm not trying to tell you Sacramento, Detroit, Dallas, Houston are the four toughest teams in the NBA. But it certainly says something when it comes to leadership for these guys to go 4-0 and in this stretch. And there's a couple things to really look out for. Number one, Detroit, that's going to mean a lot to Monty Williams. And Detroit's terrible. So it's going to be very easy for the Suns to give everything they've got tonight, beat Sacramento, and then feel like, okay, now we're playing one of the worst teams in NBA history, and we're at home, and we've got vacation tomorrow. Those thoughts could easily be in their head. I hope Detroit is thinking something similar. But that is a a loss that if they lose to Detroit, that shows we've got bad professionals that we've got unfocused professionals. So I'm really interested, not in whether they win on Thursday, but whether they're mentally engaged on on Wednesday. That's huge. Then you turn around and you take on a playoff team in Dallas and an up-and-coming team in Houston when they've got fresh legs. Houston is an aggressive young team. So you're going to be on the back end of a back-to-back, old guys a little sore after a week off, and then are you really ready for the legs of Houston after a road back-to-back? This team goes 4-0 in this stretch. It's, it's time to feel like we've got something. I don't want to use the word special, but it means we've got something here. If they don't, then we know that these guys aren't the professionals or aren't focused, aren't what we think. And we shouldn't think you guys can just flip a switch because I think the Suns have been playing all year long like, hey, we just got to ramp up for the postseason. And I always think that's a cop-out. You either have the ability to flip the switch or you don't. And if they can't get it flipped now for the stretch, then don't tell me you're going to be able to flip it for the postseason. Everybody else is going to be ready to go and too hot. Suns tonight. Oh, by the way. Something that you need to know. In a statistical breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of this game tonight, Sacramento is the worst team in basketball at defending the three. 39.8%, almost 40%. That means teams hit almost 40% of their threes against Sacramento. At the same time, Sacramento is actually third in attempts. They're one of only three teams that shoot 43-pointers a game. Now, they're only above average at making them. They're in 11th place at making three-pointers, but they're in third place at the most attempts. What does that mean? That means it's really easy for other teams to take bad shots because they want to get in a track meet. Oh, you're terrible at defending the three, and you shoot a lot of threes. It's going to be really important that the Suns win this game tonight based on their ball movement. 
get paint touches, get the ball down low and then kick it back out for threes, move the ball and then shoot the threes because Sacramento has proven to be one of the worst teams in the league at closing out against three-pointers. So don't just chuck up threes because they're bad at defending the three, but do whatever it takes to take good three-pointers and you'll beat Sacramento. If you take a lot of forced threes because you just want to take advantage of their bad three-point shooting defense, well, now they're not going to be that bad because you're the one forcing the shot up. So this is a high basketball IQ game. Out hustle Sacramento, take good shots, and it's not a hard, it's not a difficult game to come out as a win. If you don't play hard, because they always play hard, if you don't play hard and you don't move the ball, they'll run you right off the floor. So it's going to be important for the Suns to play smart tonight and take advantage of Sacramento's terrible three-point shooting defense. All right, coming up next, Izzy takes over. It's time for Town Hall Tuesday, where your letters, comments, and uh, posts get read by Izzy. And no time for a last-minute one. We can't cram it in. But pay attention, because maybe... We read yours next on Doug Frown's Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. last night's Arizona Republic and uh, there's one thing that hasn't been talked about uh, going forward I didn't realize right now Kyler Murray's got a 51 million dollar cap hit 51 million so Kyler Murray alone eats up 20% of your cap one of the real interesting things to watch over the course of the next month free agency starts in late March and you're not going to be able to sign a lot of them if you've got a cap hit that big with Kyler Murray. So that means you would have to extend the contract. And if you extend it, players don't take a pay cut. That moves salary from getting it during the season to getting it as a signing bonus. But the only way that works is if you extend the years out of the contract. So that means... If all of the talk of the Cardinals that they gave all year at the end of the year, we believe in Kyler, we believe in Kyler, we believe in Kyler. Keep an eye on that over the course of the next month. If there's not an announcement in the next month of a contract extension for Kyler, doesn't mean he gets a raise. It just shifts the money around. If they don't do that, why in the world would you go into a year with one guy making 20% of your salary cap who isn't a bona fide star? That doesn't make any sense unless you truly don't believe he's the future and you want to make sure he does it. You want to make sure he proves it one more year. If they totally believe everything they said, they have to restructure Kyler Murray. If they just said it to get people off their back, well, they, they don't have to restructure. Take the cap hit this year. If he proves himself, sign him to a new contract. If he doesn't, then you walk after this year. Really an interesting thing to look at over the course of the next month. All right, take over, Izzy. Hear ye, hear ye. 
Oh yay! Oh yay! It's time to call a town hall meeting. This is the point of Doug Franz Unplugged where you take over as a listener. Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com are your emails. Doug Franz Unplugged is the, the uh, Instagram handle. And at Unplugged Doug is the way to post on X and give me everything that's on your mind. I edit them down so we don't have to be reading it forever. Or should I say Izzy? And then I react to what's on your mind. Izzy, go. Harlem Knights. Have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? This is coming from Gene Lily 14. <laughs> so in one of you, Izzy and I got into a conversation about movies one day, and I said Harlem Nights is the funniest movie of all time, and then Airplane is number two. And uh, so this is a guy questioning me. Uh, Gene, I would say this. I'm not a – I know this is going to offend people. I like Spaceballs. I think it's kind of funny, and it's still Mel Brooks. I, I don't like Blazing Saddles. That just – that movie kind of rubs me the wrong way. Maybe I'm too politically correct, and normally I'm, I'm like the most politically politically uncorrect person in the world. But I, I'm just – I'm not a huge fan of, of that movie. So my dad loves it, and I've always uh, – not, not big. I watched it once. Like, okay, whatever. But I admit – Here's something that'll shock a lot of you. If you know me and you know my sense of humor, you'll be you'll be amazed by this. I don't like Monty Python. I don't think Monty Python's funny. I, th- I just think it's dumb. I just think it's a waste of time. And man, people that would think, uh, I'm sure, have you ever even seen Monty Python, Is he? I have not, no. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that the rest of the world will tell you, you have to see it. And there's a couple parts, yes, well, okay, that's funny. But man... The, the gist of it, like I, the first time I watched it, I made it through 20 minutes and said, okay, I'm done. And then forced myself at another point in my life to watch the rest of it. I, I did not enjoy it. What's next? Just finished the podcast. Kyle Shanahan should have ran the ball more. The penalties and missed opportunities lost that game. Mm-hmm. It's so Monday morning quarterback to say things like go for the touchdown or kick it when you win the coin toss in OT. Kyle played it right, especially trying to give the defense a breather there. Does it matter because they still lost the game at the very end? The NFL is rigged anyway. More <laughs> convinced now more than ever. I just heard the Kevin Guy interview. That was awesome. This is from General Craig. Uh, General Craig, there's a lot there to unpack. Number one, I don't think it's Monday morning quarterbacking if you're watching the game and while you're watching the game you go what are you doing (laughs) that's not Monday morning quarterbacking that's not I'm waiting to see what happens and whether or not it's a good move the reason why I played the Dan Orlovsky on yesterday's podcast is very simply put because I love the way Dan Orlovsky put it everybody knows that if you kick off in that situation you now get to see what you need and by the 49ers receiving They basically said, here, Pat Mahomes, we get three downs to make decisions. You get four. You have a play caller as good as Andy Reid, weapons like the Chiefs do, and the second greatest quarterback of all time. And you're going to say, I want to give you more chances to succeed than we get. That's why I'm against. I don't think that's Monday morning quarterbacking. And then for you to say, Craig, well, you know, it didn't matter because it all ended that they lost anyway. That's the whole point. They lost partially because of that decision. It made it easier for the Chiefs to drive down the field. It's easier to score a touchdown when you know you've got four downs to get 10 yards versus for the 49ers, the thought was three downs and then do we field goal punt or go for it? And that being a hard decision. And then if you really want to be aggressive, well, then go for two. 
if you if you if you give up a touchdown after you've kicked off, now you receive. You can go down, score a touchdown, and then decide. You know what? I don't want to give you the ball in sudden death. So I'm not going to kick the extra point. I'm going to go for two. Now, as far as it being rigged, let me be the most hypocritical person in the world. I don't know if the NBA draft lottery is rigged anymore. But in the entire time of David Stern at the beginning of Adam Silver, I 100% believe it's rigged. This is not a show bit. This is not me being cheeseball and trying to make you laugh. I believe the draft lottery was rigged for years and years and years. And for those of you that say, there's no way they really, do you understand in FIFA, they actually got busted for putting water in the balls, in the little lottery balls, to affect the way pairings and seedings happen. Yes, and they got caught. Okay, so don't act like it never happens. I did think that. Now, having said that, there's no way the NFL is rigged. It's 22 people on the field and and officials. And you look at the amount of holding calls that Bill Vinovich did not call for both teams. Like, I thought they were blatant holding. He's a ref with a reputation for not calling a lot of holding. And there were, to me, blatant holds that weren't called on both sides. It's too hard to rig the outcome of an NFL game. So for whatever reason you think it's rigged because people wanted Travis Kelsey to be able to kiss somebody or for or because Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback and they want to add to the mystique or somebody doesn't like the 49ers, blah, blah, blah. It's it's too impossible. You really think the players on the losing team would run those laps, lift those weights, sit in those meetings, go through those practices just to have a preordained winner? No way, Craig. No way. What's next? Yeah, scripted and rigged are two different things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, uh, this, we got a meta family, meta friend from college at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. Don't call yourself a member of the Unplugged Army if you haven't been. Good eats, great staff, cold beer, winning combination. Oh. Sunday night. Thought it was odd that the Niners took the ball in OT. Monday morning, I read Shanahan's comments and was like, okay. Monday afternoon, you and Orlovsky are spot on. Can't let Mahomes <laughs> have the ball last. This is from Greg H9. Okay, Greg, number one, thanks for being a supporter of the Unplugged Army and going to Bells. I appreciate it greatly. And I'm going to be there today at noon with the guys of the Organic Football Podcast. I admit I'm laughing. I don't know who's paying because I told them I wanted to buy them lunch to say thank you for coming on our air and bringing their show here during the football season. But then Brad lost a bet. And Brad owes me lunch, so I don't know what's going to happen today. One of us are buying. Uh, And then that means we'll have to go back out again. But please stop by and join us at Bell's. Um, The second part, that's funny. Here's the thing, Greg. If you rip Shanahan, I do think that is Monday morning quarterbacking. And the reason why is you can't say, you know, it didn't matter to me. Then I read his comments, and it did. And then I heard you, and it did. There's nothing wrong with your opinion changing as long as you didn't rip anybody. Um, I stand – the reason why I play Dan Orlovsky yesterday is I have to admit it he just said it better than I did he it was the way I felt but he said it better so that's why I played it what's next uh, really don't like how you handled the situation yesterday I appreciate your honesty but you needed to have a sit down with CEO Chris I mm. felt like you let me down because I look at you in fatherly type of light for guidance I'm just being blunt with you I forgive you the same way Jesus forgave us now how do we get better together a great man once said it starts with you continues with me and ends with all of us I'm here for a solution and to contribute to make this work let's go from General Stavo General Stavo that's strong um just like, uh, let me tell you, the part where you said that 
you let me down and that you look at me as a fatherly type of light for guidance. That is unbelievably, on the one hand, complimentary, and I, I'm almost embarrassed for it. And I appreciate that, and I'll try to do my best to accept that role and do well. At the same time, always tread lightly whenever we take human beings as our guidance, no matter who they are. Because there's very few truly evil, terrible people. There's some people that aren't good as much as they want to be because they've made either a bad choices in life or they have some some kind of self insufficiencies where they just really struggle in in and they, they feel like they need to defend themselves all the time and they're not able to just, you know, tell it like it is and be open in a way and accept criticism. I looking at at that i'm in in the boat where i try to be one way all the time and it doesn't mean i'm always going to succeed at being that so don't put too many eggs in my basket i appreciate it i'll try my best but always be cautious of how many eggs you put in a human being's basket of of trust and respect but always give people a chance now uh if you don't know what he's referring to on yesterday's uh podcast i I don't want to sugarcoat it i was embarrassed by how all of us performed yesterday and that includes me day after the super bowl we've got to be better we've got to be better and uh and i'm going to talk to chris about that afterwards so um we'll we'll see where it goes i I feel very confident though that it's going to move in a in a positive direction but stava thanks for calling me out and i truly mean that i deserved it uh what's next not uploading the podcast today due to technical issues would have been easy. I would have understood. Instead, you took the time to replace the missing 40 or so minutes and uploaded the rest of earlier's broadcast. That was awesome. Thank you, Doug. Hashtag Unplugged Army at BugGuy75. Oh, BugGuy, that was really cool of you. For those of you that, that watched the, the show and didn't know what I did yesterday, we had a glitch where we lost some audio at the beginning. Then we had a power outage in the middle. But then I was able the uh, to receive the audio that I was given for the podcast for the two hour show. I probably had about 50, 65 minutes of that audio. So when I went home, I redid the four minute offense and I then turned around and did all of the, um, the parts that were missed in the show because I felt like I owed that to you. Listen, I, I can't stress it enough. I had nothing. I mean, when, when you get fired and you think you're an important talk show host and then you find out people in Albany, New York and, and some, some small cities across America want you and nobody in big towns are really jumping up at the opportunity to hire you, you get smacked in the face. And all of you in the Unplugged Army that were listening to the December 2021 Screw Around podcast and the real thing at the beginning of 2022, I, I don't want to say I owe you my life, but I owe you everything i've got and that's why i did that so bug guy that was nice of you to recognize what's next that was fantastic coach was on one thank (laughs) you for coming on coach guy at farmer braxton farmer braxton i'm glad you enjoyed it i have known kevin guy since 2002 i've never heard him like that i've never heard him like that he was well i should say that i've heard him like that on buses okay and on a 10-hour bus ride you can really get his goat and get him going i've never heard him like that in person for everybody to hear he was fantastic and i texted him that was the best interview i've ever heard from you so i enjoyed being a part of it i don't even think i did anything though farmer braxton all right what's next 
you're right. The waste management crowd genie is out of the bottle, and mm. I don't know how they put it back. Someone gave me a 16th hole skybox ticket for Friday. Almost after almost two hours to park and get in the gate at around 1 p.m., I started walking to 16, and drunk people are constantly slipping down wet, grassy slopes mm. on holes 18 and 17. When I finally got to the skybox, I see everything from the greenskeeper getting showered with beer to a blow-up doll being bounced around oh. like a beach ball at Dodger Stadium <laughs> to that to that unfortunate lady falling from a couple of sections to our left to the tier below us. Mm. Don't think I'll make an effort to go back, but also don't regret the experience, if that makes sense, from General Mike. Uh, General Mike, it's interesting. I didn't know that you were right there to, to, to see her fall. Um, wow. Uh, I'm just really appreciative that the Waste Management Phoenix Open has taken the criticism and they're clearly doing something about it with their interview yesterday. Uh, that, that tells you something. They've understood that they've made a mistake. But you know, one thing we can do as, as a city fan base is to say, you know what? We appreciate what you've done in the past and how often you've got it right and with the things that you've said. You know what? Let's try to go. Maybe we have an unplugged army outing there next year or something like that. Or uh, we, we talk CEO Chris into a WTSM booth, something like that. Uh, hi, Doug. I found your podcast. I'm so happy you didn't leave Phoenix. And oh, you are wow. so right about the Phoenix Open. Two questions. Are you and Wolf good with each other? <laughs> what's your, And two, what's your biggest pet peeve? Mine is people who don't know what mine are people who don't do what they say they're going to do. This is from Christian J. Um, Kristen J, number one. Uh, it's funny that you just found the podcast because uh, a lot of people ask me that all the time. Are Wolf and I okay? Yes. There was never an issue between Wolf and I. Sure, we got into it all the time uh, on the air, but we are total brothers. Every argument we ever had on air was brothers arguing, just like any brother does. So don't read into any of that, and neither of us wanted what happened, um, meaning the, the station making a decision to dump me. But... Uh, now, as far as what was the other one? Um, oh, you said pet peeves. Uh, well, you know, when you say people not listen, there's different types of people. Like speaking of Wolf, I'll take a bullet for Ron Wolfley. OK, I love the man. But Wolf is the single worst listener of any human being I've ever met. So when you say somebody doesn't do something that they say they're going to do, is it because they don't even know what they've agreed to? Like some people just say, yeah, OK, I'll get to it. And then they don't get to it. That's just people that don't listen or they're forgetful or they're trying to be nice and say they want to help and they don't. That's different than somebody saying, this is what I'm doing for you. And there's a conversation. I don't want to say a contract, but there's a handshake. There's looking people in the eye. That's totally different than I, I wouldn't just judge because you feel like somebody said something and it didn't happen. Um, my biggest pet peeve is always going to be people that don't understand how to drive. You pass on the left, and that also means you get over to the right if you're not passing anybody. You don't pass somebody at 90 and then slow down and drive 70. You've chosen your speed limit. That has nothing to do with me. And the HOV lane during HOV rush hour is not my lane. I can't drive in it. So the number one lane, the lane right next to the HOV lane, that's now the left lane for all of us peons. Get out of that left lane. Learn how to drive. You don't belong in that lane. There you go. That's my pet peeve is other people not being taught how to drive well. How, do, we have, do we have more, uh, uh, Izzy? Uh, no, that was it. Okay, good. Oh, good. Well, thank you, Izzy, for doing that. Boy, Izzy, what's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve? Well, probably slow walkers, people that just walk 
slow okay. in front of you? I drive fast and I walk slow. <laughs> so I'll make sure that I'm never in front of you. Uh, coming up from uh, uh, 8 to 10 is the main event in which Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray take over. And uh, based on Kristen's comment, I'll, I'll ask you, what, what is your uh, uh, biggest pet peeve, Steve? I have so many that if you would need three hours for me to Is your biggest pet peeve people with a lot of pet peeves? Uh, no, no, I enjoy that, actually. Oh, my God, people that uh, breathe loudly, uh, you know, people that eat with their mouth open, uh, people that make random noise, just uh, people that drive their windshield wipers on when it's not raining. Oh, I hate uh, that noise. It, I uh, yeah, but, but I admit I alienate people that are passengers in the car because it can be raining, and in their mind it's raining hard, yeah. and the windshield wipers need to be on more strongly. Okay. And I will have them on delay, and they're barely going, so that yeah. they're going. But I can't stand that sound of windshield wiper Brr. on. Dr- yeah, Brr. I hate it Brr. so bad. I'll make sure <laughs> this windshield is wet enough before that wiper goes. Uh, but I'm weird like that, man. I have uh, people that know me know me know that i have some i try to hide it more now than i used to do uh i hate when things are out of place it, it just it's a whole thing i hate when my shirt's wrinkled on air it kind of bothers wow. me. wow what's going on with this right here it's kind of annoying so you have do, do you consider yourself secretly anal are you uh, no I are you to the a, point uh, of obsessive compulsive or can you get over it uh i can get over it it depends on my mood to be honest with oh, you okay yeah it really does so if i'm uh, tired or something and it's just one of those days i have to like take deep breaths to, to get over it but yeah uh no i definitely have some uh, ocd uh, tendencies if i was like that i would be i, I don't understand the difficulties of people that 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 are afflicted with that but i think i would be even more lazy if i had it no. and i saw things well, that were wrong and i'm tired i would be even more well, i don't want to deal with as it. i've gotten older like the joke on the show for a while was i have a hallway tv and that's because i had an extra tv and i just put it in the hallway and it's there and it bothers me every time i walk by it but i'm not willing to do anything about it <laughs> whereas when i was younger it would bother me so much that i would do something about it and now i just walk by i've walked by it for like three months and now is, is the tv on or is no, it like no. like like does it work or is yeah, it just yeah. in the way no it works it was an extra tv when we redid uh okay. our, our quote-unquote gaming room at the house and it was okay. like oh just throw it in the hallway we'll, we'll get to it uh but when i was younger there's no way that would have sat there longer than a couple hours yeah. now now i'm just like yeah whatever I, if I'm able to put it past me, you know. I don't know why I have wasted $60 a year, but for $5 a month, I pay for DirecTV standard definition because I have this enormous television yes. that I spent $700 on. That's as, well paid for. As a, that's a tube TV in our bedroom <laughs> that has not been turned on, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. In probably 11 years. But you and might, yet I'm still paying for the direct TV to it. Well, it's because you might want to use it someday. I don't know why. I just, it's just there. It's just there. Well, it, that's, that's, the, that's, what everybody, that's why everybody's going to subscription-based services now. Yeah. They're all going the gym model. They, they're hoping you sign up, and they're hoping that you forget, forget about, about it, it, and then yep. you just pay it for years and years and years, and you're like, I've spent $700 and I haven't used this over the last five years, and that's why everybody's going that method instead of just you buying something and using it, and now it's, uh, and now it's a monthly charge. It's some kind of pride of my first big television my first big purchase for the family yeah of I, I bought it in my 20s and it was and we had a very we had one of those long living rooms that were shallow yeah. so you sat really close so 39 inch tube television you when you're only nine feet away from it is <laughs> yeah. huge yeah and now i just don't want to part with it because yeah. i want to turn it into a video game console kind of thing well that's what you do so i have a tv like my ps5 hooked up to a giant television for that reason oh is it okay and, it, and it's just because do i want to buy 
buy a new, you know, curve, whatever, $1,600 one, or I, I just play on this big thing. It's here. I got to use it. Might as well. So that's what you turn it into. I just make, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, what do you so think of uh, the waste management Phoenix Open coming out and saying, yeah, kind of our bad. I mean, they had to do that. Um, I got some more info yesterday, whether it's true or not. I'm not going to report this, but it's starting to come out. But I can tell you, uh, I am hearing uh, from strong sources that uh, the fire department got involved and the police got involved uh, with the amount of people in there uh, could Concern for safety, uh, they were told to stop doing stuff. And uh, look, the way to solve this is simple. Forget about the alcohol sales. Forget about all mm-hmm. that. Make this tournament expensive, which they're already getting to with general admission at 65. Every sweet holder gets 300 general admission tickets. I, that's not the amount, but it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. You restrict the general admission. Uh, the problem was the general admission, and the problem was people weren't able to move. Uh, but they have to solve it, or else they're not going to be allowed to do this golf tournament yeah. anymore because the uh, people in charge of that with cooler heads are going to shut it down. That's that makes uh, that makes pretty good sense. And I didn't know about that that the sweet holders get that many general admission. Yeah, it's, I don't remember. I, I mean, I know you just threw out a number to yeah. be funny, but it, it, even a lot seems a little it's crazy. It's like 30 a day or at least it was back when yeah. uh, I was involved in that stuff and it's, you know, so you you know, so if you don't give people tickets to sweets, you give them the general admission, make them feel special uh, and stuff like that, but um yeah, it's it's just it's it's a simple fix in my mind. Uh, they just the rain screwed them this year but i think this is an eye-opener because every year to me i get it it's a big party they want to celebrate that side uh but at the same time every year what are they most proud about the attendance yes the attendance record you got to get off that man and and make this a fun event and get it going i actually have stats i'm going to do today i did some research last night and i have the stats on arrests and everything for the last three years uh i I did not compile it It, i found it Uh, i'll give the credit (laughs) i'll give the credit when i remember who it is uh, on my show but um yeah i mean the arrests and everything they skyrocketed this year compared 2022 zero arrests by the way for alcohol stuff uh this year it's a lot it was like 40 something well that's a fantastic breakdown yeah so uh i have i'll have the actual number i'm just going off memory now but i'll have the actual numbers coming up uh it was just a colossal failure and quite frankly, I feel like they needed this because they've just been, I'm going to say willy-nilly, growing it and growing it and growing it with sponsorships, the Teds uh, and everything. And they need it. They need to pare it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Make it big, but pare it down. Who cares if you break the record every year? I got to tell you, the end of Doug Franz Unplugged yesterday, I walked out and I looked at Dale and I said, hey, yep. did you think it was too much? And he didn't get a chance to really answer, but his eyes got really big and he kind of <laughs> nodded like yeah. this. Well, and I, mean, I was thinking, you guys going to have a good show. <laughs> well, I said I said it yesterday on air. I mean, uh, I did not go on Sunday. I, this is the first year I've missed a Sunday wow. waste management. And, and, and part of the reason was seeing what happened on Friday and Saturday and the mud and the rain. Yeah. And I was like, I'd rather go do something I want to go do instead. Makes sense. Have a good show. Yeah. I'm very interested in the uh, the research of, of Steve McCollum there to see uh, the, those police numbers. That's a great idea in, in order to look at the issues of, okay, was it really? It's easier. Oh, it's out of hand because you look at it and think it's out of hand.
But there's not a better number to judge whether it's out of hand than the number of arrests. So a good main event coming up with Steve McCollum and Dale Hillestray. Every weekday morning, we give you four hours of local sports programming. And then right after your lunch hour, as soon as you get back from lunch, and if you're at the office, put it right back on WTSMTV.com for iOS Izzy on Sports at 1 o'clock to let you know everything that's uh, happened over the last 24 hours and then kind of let you know what's coming up tonight. For Versus Vegas today, oh, man, just Vegas let me down. Crushed the first pick of the day. I said I didn't like the five and a half total of, excuse me, I didn't like the five and a half total of Coyotes and Flyers. I took the over five and a half, and they, boy, that was nice. They kept right on pace, had three goals scored before halfway through the second, so I knew I could get us up to six. I'm willing it. We got a goal uh, in the third. Coyotes go into the third with the lead and then totally blow it, give up the one goal lead, one goal down, give up an empty netter, although it stinks that the Coyotes lost. We get the over like we thought. Philly Philadelphia wins 5-3. And then, really early on, like three or four minutes in, the Golden Knights scored. They got a 1-0 lead. We have the Knights minus 1.5. They give up two goals in the first, but then turn around and score. Okay, it's back to 2-2. Let's do something in the last two periods. And the Knights fall on their face. They lose to the Wild 5-3. And we end up going 1-1. That's dunk. That stunk to go one and one and, uh, and not get what we needed out of that game. So now we're at 11.06, and 9 overall in the standings. Still above the 53% threshold, however. Today, I got two games for you that I like. Seattle didn't travel far. They're in the New York area, but they just had a tough game against the Devils. Now they take on the Islanders. The juice isn't great. You might want to skip this game. It's minus 155 juice, which is a little high, but after I had a uh, an 0 for 2 over the weekend, an 0 for 1 uh, uh, as well, and then on top of it, a 1 and 1, I want to, I want to take a game that we're going to get right. So I feel good. Take the Islanders on the money line. The other one, this could be a little bit of a stretch. You might want to ignore me on this one. But Milwaukee just had a game against Denver, and listen, they beat them up pretty good, but there was a lot going into that game. Now they've got a back-to-back with Miami, and Miami's getting a lot of points, getting eight points. There's no doubt Milwaukee's a lot better than Miami. But if I get eight points with Miami when Milwaukee's on the back end of a back-to-back and it was a high-end opponent in Denver, okay, I'm going to take I'm gonna take my chances with that and I'll take the plus eight with the Miami Heat and take the road dog and hope and pray that they keep it close. If you've got the courage, and I do not, Miami on the money line in an upset is plus 275. No way am I taking the money line. I want, I'm doing this because I want those eight points. But I found that a little interesting that you could get juice uh, that big. One of the things that's kind of interesting, and I'm not playing this game, is just how confident Vegas is in the Suns tonight. The Suns are a five-point favorite. And the negative juice is 218 if you take them on the money line. 218. That Vegas is that confident the Suns are beating Sacramento. I don't know about you. I don't have that level of confidence. I think the, I think the Suns are going to win tonight. 
but for them to have a totally new bench to be adjusting their system and having the Kings be a I don't want to say a complete team but not making adjustments right now that seems awfully steep the juice on Sacramento pulling the upset is plus 180 I don't want blood money, but that sounds kind of interesting for a team that blew a 20-point lead the last time they were here. I'm assuming Sacramento knows the Suns are a threat. Sacramento wants to stay above the Suns, and Sacramento wants to push for the top spot. And Sacramento is coming back from a game where they gave up a 20-point lead against this opponent. That seems to be a lot of things that are in uh, Sacramento's favor, I would think. I'd keep an eye on, I'd keep an eye on the over. You know what? I'm actually going to jump on that. I shouldn't talk myself into something that I haven't really studied, but I'm going to do that. Sack and Phoenix have the over set at 245. And with Sacramento being the worst three-point defensive team in basketball, I I realize the Suns aren't a high-volume three-point shooting team. But I think against Sacramento, they're going to do better from the three-point line. They're moving the ball a little bit better. And the Suns are coming off a loss. So, so I think they'll be a little more focused. The voice is flaming out. So I like uh, Sacramento and Phoenix going over the 245. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I would be thrilled if you're able to make it out to Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass coming up next Friday. Please join us out there February 23rd. We have tee times from noon to 1.30. Just click on the events page at unplugged at whirlwind.com to get yourself more information. I'm going to be out at Bell's Nashville Kitchen today at noon eating lunch with the guys from the Organic Football Show. Love to have you. It's, it's an open invitation. If you're not doing anything today for lunch, please come out and join us. I'll be there from about noon to 1.30, something like that. So I'd love to see you out there and, uh, and have a beer with me. That would be great. If you need anything to do with your home's heat, cooling, plumbing, or electrical, please call Parker & Sons, one of the longest-running sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged. 6022-REPAIR is their phone number. 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. If you are in the mood for a breakfast burrito today, oh, you'll never have one better than Burrito Express. If you don't believe me, just ask Jeff Weir Production, who is walking around like crazy this morning. He is, he's almost, I, I can't believe he hasn't bought stock in that company. I've seen him uh, go there so often, but what's funny is he can't eat a whole one because he's just a little guy, which I find highly entertaining. If you want a sports bar today, go to Rosati's, but only the one at Ray and McQueen, as they're a big sponsor, the one of uh, the location that's in Chandler. I'd love to see you out there at some point and, uh, and have beer, pizza, and wings and actually be able to to see the game and enjoy it. On tomorrow's Doug Franz Unplugged, heavy look at Suns and Sacramento. And I kind of want to dive into some of the things Bobby Mack is writing about the Cardinals as we slowly start to move into the offseason. That's coming up tomorrow. Whatever you do today, dominate your Tuesday. I'm with you all the way and fill me up for Town Hall Tuesday next week if there's anything I said today that you love, hate, or have a strong opinion on. The main event is up next. Enjoy your day. I'll see you tomorrow.